Yo, it's the first time I'm high. We're talking. Bam. We got books. Bing, books. Bing, 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 bing. We, and that's it. We got books. video games. Yeah. We got. City's named Z. We got Hello. serial killers. Welcome. Welcome, guys. How you doing? Uh, Welcome to the show. I could be better. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a time. It's been a while. It's it feels like a while. I was gonna say it, it feels like it's been a long time. It's been one day longer than what it normally is whenever we record. I can't. But you can't fuck up my routine like that. Yeah. We didn't do catch up last week. Is the thing. You're right. So mm. that's why it feels a little a little strange. A little strange. So we're gonna do catch up today. And we're gonna do news. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's some good news this week. In fact, this might qualify as like the best American day of the year. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, with the news that we got today. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yesterday was pretty good with the whole Epstein thing, but <laughs> or that was two days ago. But welcome to the show. We bought a mic, a pop culture podcast mm. where every week we talk pop culture things and all sorts of. Fun film, TV related things. Fun banter with a healthy dose of intricate analysis. Oh, okay. Oh. Is that our official slogan? Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, it. I think yeah. they need to make it longer. Ernest, that's so good. I'm <laughs> I think it needs to be I can longer. see you already made the T-shirts, and they look great. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm Hunter. <laughs> I'm Drew. I'm back. I'm here. We're here. It's very long T-shirts. A lot, oh, of, a lot oh, of stuff. Cool. Long, like, all the way to the knees. Got to fit rad. all that yeah. into it. Hunter, how was it, it for waking up uh, for work today? Oh, it was not a How'd fun that time. Um, I did not have a good one. I'll yeah, we had, a, we had a a We Bought a Mic excursion minus Ernest. So just me and Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and friends. Thanks the for the invite, by yeah, the way. Let's, let's talk about all the things there in Tallahassee. Lots of trees. Mm-hmm. Lots of humidity. Rain. I think that, that about sums it up, Missed. right? Yeah. No, that's it. But we did see a friend. We met a friend of the podcast mm-hmm. while we were a there. real life fan. A They're real life fan there. who actually sent us in a little bit of fan mail, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Colin after hours. He's, I think he's I think he's written in before. Yeah, he he slipped this one into my suit pocket like the Jonestown people slipped their note into the senator's pocket like save me. It, it was just like that. Mm-hmm. Right when we helicoptered out of Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. He says, "Hey buds, good job, Rooney. Wabama Rooney Roo, all caps." <laughs> Did he really say that? <laughs> five exclamation marks? He didn't tell me that part. Hello, Ernest, <laughs> Hunter, Andrew. I eagerly look forward to your annual listomania each year. Oh, since this decade is coming to an end, are you guys going to do a best of the decade for films, TV, and music, etc.? I think it would make an interesting episode, and would love to hear your flaming hot takes. Mm. Well, the answer is yes. Yes. Yep. We sure are. I don't think we should do a TV one, though, because Hunter and I... Yeah, we're, we were talking about this. How do you judge something if it started in, like, 2008 but then ended in 2013? Yeah, or something that is still going and yeah. hasn't reached its end I mean, date. believe me, Succession's number one, but <laughs> okay. we'll save uh, that. Um, Sopranos is no, number one. Well, we were also... I We haven't figured but movies, out... Movies, we should... De- movies, movies and, and albums, albums, yeah. We haven't figured out how many we're going to do because the thing is um especially with albums i 
I struggle with just making a I'm, list of just ten good albums per year, much less for an entire decade. Yeah, we started, I, need, I need fifteen at least. We were talking about this uh, off mic. I was talking about it with one of you guys, where it's like I was making. I started, you know, doing my homework, starting to get it done now, a few months out. And I started just like making them, just like all right. Well, these are like my locks, and then I looked and I had seventeen locks for, yeah. the, ten, for the top yeah, ten. Exactly. I did the same thing. <laughs> You're like, then, oh, well. yeah, we were talking about this because then we were thinking, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna uh, highball Ernest, so we're gonna be like Ernest, give us twenty, give mm-hmm. us a top twenty, because then you'll give us a fifteen. Yeah, you know. But also the other <laughs> thing is like some artists have released at least you could say like two worthy albums you know your kendrick's your tame impala's well, your tyler your coheeds that's another pressing question i have because i mean honestly there are probably three or four artists who like if i were to do an objective personal taste list they would show up twice on a, on a exactly. top 15 they would definitely show up twice i don't not, know not on a top 10 i don't know i mean i'm probably just so i can highlight the most artists just going to stick with one album per artist i don't know if we're going to make that a rule or not but i just because i want to have more different people yeah or you do one mind. slot per artist yeah that is occupied by two albums well i mean if that's the case then like there's <laughs> whoever has like two amazing albums in the same because like mean, right off the bat i would put frank ocean's two albums right there channel yeah. orange and yeah. blonde on in one I mean, slot you could two kendrick albums two mm-hmm. tame albums there's he oh. has a, a postscript a ps I don't feel bad for spoiling the fact that there is a mermaid in the upcoming film, The Lighthouse, damn it. anymore. Now we did it to the whole audience. Because now- it's featured in the trailer briefly and even on the official poster. I haven't seen either of those. I've been avoiding everything. As soon as I hear Robert Eggers' name, I'm like, shut the fuck so up. So he was mad that... Uh, or we were all mad at him for spoiling that part. But it's on the poster. And then, so he decides to spoil it for everyone listening to our podcast. <laughs> Everybody who's not like anal and doesn't just like close their eyes whenever they go yeah. into a movie and I see mean, the trailers I, beforehand. I guess it would have been spoiled eventually if it's on the poster. I don't... If it's on the fucking post, that's why I just read it. Because then I wouldn't have read it on the air. That's true. If it's on the poster, like, come Posters on. are fair game. Trailers are no longer fair game right. in this, like, in this I, spoiler culture. I think The Good Boys is going to be a masterpiece because I haven't <laughs> seen the trailer. Because they <laughs> haven't shown it in every uh, fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm conflicted about how that's going to be because some of the jokes Probably are bad. Some of the jokes in the trailer are funny and then others are not. Comedies, but, you can never judge by their trailers, though, because most of the time comedy trailers are bad because they're shooting at the very lowest common denominator. Yeah, they take get the worst seats, jokes. And they could that's, be why, a funny... that's why I'm thinking it could be good if it doesn't rely too much on little kids saying fuck. Oh, it's going to. Which it, the trailer certainly does. <laughs> anyway, though. Thanks for writing in, Colin. Uh, you can email us at webottomike at gmail.com if you have any stray thoughts, comments, passing co- complaints, <laughs> feelings. If you just want to get something off your yeah. chest. Secrets. If anything. you're like, I want a 12-hour Waban marathon, tell let us, us know. Tell us a little yeah. secret. Let us know. We I work exclusively off of the money from that we generate from the yeah. podcast. If so. your name yeah. is Tom Hardy and you want to just send us the script for Venom 2, mm-hmm. go ahead and send it to us. Go ahead and send it to us. Yeah, Seamless people have, transition. People have been telling him to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he might. And we, it could be the big break that the movie needs. The script is one page, though. It just says <laughs> Venmo is on some crazy shit. <laughs> Guys. Well, I mean... <laughs> Speaking to that point, I do feel like we kind of have an end with the director now since we saw Rampage and he does play George. It's official. Andy Serkis is directing Venom 2. Wow. Andy Serkis of Gollum fame? 
of Peter Jackson's King Kong as King Kong fame. Mm. Of ape fame? Yes, of Caesar is home fame. Of, of uh, being an ugly man in movies. <laughs> yeah. where, where <laughs> Only getting work because of the, yeah. <laughs> the expansion of yeah, motion he, capture. He played a somehow uglier Steve Bannon in, uh, in what's it Long called? Shot. In Longshot. Yeah. I didn't even know who it was. I was like, Jesus, it's hard yeah. to look at this guy. <laughs> Well, He's we doing it. We he looks like it. Gollum in real so life. So his di- his directorial debut was Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. I don't even know if that's the real title of the movie. Uh, yeah, it's... But it's the Jungle Book knockoff type Ew. thing that Netflix acquired. Um, no, I don't like that. And yeah, it just got put out into the world. Nobody really cared about it. The lead up to it was like the Jungle Book movie that's dark <laughs> and not Disney. And, and not then, good. And then nobody saw it or cared but hey his follow-up is here or coming Mm -hmm. venom 2 so you saw venom i did it is a film i've watched um (laughs) crazy movie from i've heard it's out there it's a i've heard it's the best superhero movie ever made it's a masterpiece but also not i've heard that it usurped uh Annie Hall in terms of iconic lobster scenes. Yes, in the lobster tank. How does Tom he Hardy full lobster tank? How does Tom Hardy compare to Topher Grace though? Because that's my venom. <laughs> my uh, venom is Topher. Poor Tof. He's uh he's quite quite better. <laughs> and in the second one, I guess we're getting Woody Harrison as Carnage. I don't know so who's Carnage. He's this bigger Carnage venom. Is really cool character. Big venom. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's more venomous. Does Tom Hardy grow into Woody Harrelson? <laughs> I would love to see that. Love to see that. Okay. Uh so yeah, that's it's happening. It's it's going to be a thing hopefully, you know. You know how these things shake up. Maybe creative differences. Mm. Uh they'll be biting at each other's butts, but Hopefully we'll see well, the, you the, the odds are, are you predicting that he's going to get kicked off the movie? Yeah, what do well, you think the odds are that Andy Serkis is like, I have a vision, and you guys, Sony is obstructing my vision for what the perfect Venom is. Yeah, he's be. like, listen, I play every character, okay? <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Challenge is yeah. on. Tom Hardy becomes Andy Serkis. It's like the clumps, but Andy Serkis. <laughs> we have two more bits of news here. Yes. Um, one that is quite pertinent to our curtain times. Is it? And Epstein? that is... <laughs> the new season of American Crime Story, mm. it's impeachment, and it's about the Cl- Bill Clinton. So it is kind of about Epstein. A little bit. Could, <laughs> they could, he could make a cameo could in edit, this crime story. <laughs> could edit. Oh, no. If we're talking real crime stories here, yeah, and they want to be like, you know, Lewinsky... That's old news. Let's talk about your pedophile. Crimes. That would be that would be like a full camp move by Ryan Murphy if if it's like it opens up with him getting Bill Clinton getting off the Lolita Express and like <laughs> zipping his pants up. I and, did not have sexual relations. And then just walking over to Monica and zipping him back down. <laughs> That's with the show. that the theme song. Yeah. I have anyway, to finish my joke. This is great. Um, and also Monica is uh, producing this. Yes, this, this was actually an like a much earlier choice that Ryan Murphy wanted to do, like before even OJ or Versace. So, but he they didn't get Monica on until just now. Right, that he, was the big thing. He is wouldn't they, do it without Monica. They needed her blessing, which is very respectful. And now she's just a full on producer on the thing. Well, the thing is, she's incredibly smart. Like I don't, I don't know if you've seen any interviews with her, or read anything she's written. She's brilliant. Um, and the you know she's so candid about the journey she went through, where she was for a long time. We used to. Whenever a powerful man cheated on his wife, as a culture, a lot more of the blame used to be on the girl that he cheated with. Mm-hmm. When she was just like a 
very young yeah. like he was the most powerful man in the world and she's this very young woman in the white house and everyone's like hey fuck her how dare yeah. you let this man cheat on his wife yeah like <laughs> we used to like she was the most hated woman in america yeah. for and her name was in every comedian's mouth for like three years can i make a bold prediction about this season mm. um it's going to be controversial whoa <laughs> well you know. it's, it's because it's gonna get hate from both left and right people where left people are like we don't need this kind of hate towards democrats when we're trying to win an election exactly right people are gonna be like they're not going hard enough on bill clinton or do you see this is the problem with the leftism it's, it's going, going to air right around the election next year like it starts airing in september and it's Murphy going secretly a maga boy is that the, Ew. That's the, that's the he does look a little like milo <laughs> it's um, gonna run through november like through the election i mean it's gonna be great i hope I mean, i'm a big fan of this series i mean undoubtedly it's gonna be awesome like yeah. this this was again just like the oj case this was the biggest story in america for so long mm -hmm. like this was so big we haven't mentioned yet though playing monica Lewinsky is beanie felt scene yeah yeah, yeah. Girl. that's awesome book smart girl that's fucking awesome yeah that's great casting have they announced you bill uh, we don't even know if Bill will actually be featured. He has to be. You though. have what? to at least. It's have called him impeachment. Come on. You here's what you do. You get John Travolta back. You get him <laughs> oh, back <man>. as Bill. <laughs> they could get like Daryl Hammond. Okay. He's, oh yeah. man, he's, he, he's not busy. He embodies it. He looks like Bill. No, you he get can do that kind of southern draw. You yeah. get Alec Baldwin in an orange wig. Oh fuck no! <laughs> get, Alec Baldwin can can go away after Thirty Rock. He should have just retired. He can, um, he'll never be better than that. I mean, uh, Sarah Paulson's back in the mix, as she is of in course. all these Who is uh, she? Murphy joints. She plays Linda Tripp. Okay. Um, I am not. I, I was born in 1994, so I'm not very <laughs> familiar with the details. I wonder, of this come case. on, you were a toddler. You should have been watching the news. Um, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder who Hillary is. Do we have that yet? We don't have any of that yet. Man. Yeah, yeah. Beanie Feldstein was the only main one that I saw. I mean, that's a big... Yeah, that's the biggest one to sign but on. I'm sure they'll announce those. It's a year away. Um, another thing that's around a year away is whatever Nathan Fielder is cooking up in so the crockpot of HBO. It's yeah, a, we're, it's we're a breaking day. news. It's a great uh, day for Canada and therefore America yeah. and therefore the world. We're breaking news, even though you'll probably hear this like three days after the news is already broke. But for us, it is breaking news that had to go on the docket that Nathan, it's it's the ultimate super team. Mm -hmm. This is LeBron James going to the 2010 Miami Heat yes. right here <laughs> with him teaming up with the crew from Succession. So, and yeah, he signed euphoria. <laughs> he signed an overall deal with HBO, which means whatever he makes within the terms of this contract is going straight to HBO, which is awesome because he's known to do side projects. <laughs> yeah, so the things that are announced officially are a docu-series and a comedy pilot. Mm -hmm. So the docu-series is called How To Dot 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 with John Wilson. Yeah, it sounds it's a half very, hour. It's very interesting sounding. Yeah, first person doc um, following the lives of New Yorkers in a comic odyssey of self-discovery inevitably making the audience comfortable with the awkward contradictions of modern life. Sounds like it's going to have very Nathan for you vibes. Yeah, and then the second show is just a show. It's no, no details except it's starring Nathan and it's made by Nathan, which is the only yeah. detail that I ever need about any show. <laughs> and it, it doesn't say it's documentary. So fiction? it could be a dramatic thing he's oh, doing here. What it, I mean, he could verge into fiction, and I would follow him. I'd follow him off a cliff. 
<laughs> I would. I thought I would want him to do like if. It, unfortunately, Nathan has got. Well, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, he has gotten popular. That was one of the problems of the last season of Nathan for you is that it's harder for him to con people. But I would love for Nathan to have like his own Eric Andre esque kind of uh, talk yeah. show where he brings people on and he's just like in full character the whole time. Which the character is just himself. That's just how he is in real life. I yeah. Wherever he goes is going to be really good. I'll follow him. Buying all the Nathan stock. Oh, that's a good idea for what this could be. I I don't think it might be that. I think it might be something more along the lines of like, I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking like high maintenance. No, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that because it says it's it's a comedy. It doesn't say yeah. anything documentary style, but or some sort of cringe comedy. Yeah, I mean he can. I, he has a. Mega brain, like he can do whatever he wants. It's funny that this got announced today because literally, like two nights ago, I was talking to someone about Nathan and how great he was and how much I love him, and I was like, "Damn, I hope he does something." I know. I hope he does something. It else. was a bit of like I, I had faith, but I mean, he's the kind of guy that you wouldn't be shocked if he's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna become a banker now." <laughs> <laughs> I'm over. He this. went to business school with very good yeah, grades, extremely good grades. Yeah, like a C plus. <laughs> yeah. Um. Couldn't be more excited. There's not no spin to put on it. This is going to be fucking incredible. Yeah, I, I got a half chub when I saw the headline. I was I, like, I I'm not joking when I say I did get goosebumps. I squealed. We're like thinking, like reading the article and thinking about it. It's like this is. It's like I said to you guys. This is like if your favorite player got traded to your favorite team. I mean, in it's, any it, sport. It's a match made in heaven because HBO is HBO. They bind to creators, not into the mm-hmm. show itself. So they're just going to give him full reigns. And even if his show bombs, they're still going to like try to support him with everything that he does because that's the kind of company hbo is so i hope I people watch all it. in because you know nathan for you the last season of it got buzz whenever it was on it took until his final season unfortunately but because think about the the duplass brothers they have a show on hbo called room 104 and nobody talks about it yeah when they or, had together, togetherness togetherness nobody talked <laughs> hey, about me it. and you talked about it it was a great show it was a good show only went for 16 episodes and then that's it but you know even if even if we only get 16 episodes out of whatever this is i'll be happy whatever we get is fine yeah like i don't want to press him i want him to be in his little perfect little world that he lives in what do you think his like what do you think his house looks like what do you think everything that he does looks like it probably looks just very clean i feel like he like lives very modestly he's like a millionaire but he lives in like a flat something like Glendale. He probably <laughs> embraces the minimalist lifestyle. He probably has a garden that he tends to. You know, very serene kind of guy. <laughs> Nathan with like a little hat on. Yeah, <laughs> a little, little farmer's little, hat. Yellow gloves. Picking peppers. He has watering. lives in the Canadian countryside. I just, I just want to see him live his life. That's what maybe I want, that's, that's what, what the, the show, show should be. Whoa, just Nathan living his the life. day in the life of Nathan Fielder. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, let's get to our ketchup corner, guys. <laughs> we got fresh. Fresh, delicious ketchup. Um, I got a few things. I'm going to run through these super quick. First of all, I watched Anima. Yeah, I watched this like whenever it came out. It's been out for like a month at this point. Yeah. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson short. uh, You know how we've been getting all these like album (laughs) album shorts with uh, your your guava islands and your lemonades and all this. But this one is basically a 15-minute long extended music video. And Paul Thomas Anderson worked with Tom York um, back when they back when the last Radiohead album came out and they did the video for Daydreamer. So this is kind of like a reteaming. 
and it's 15 minutes long. It's on Netflix. Super easy watch. Highly recommend it. It's very abstract, very dreamlike, super out there, but it incorporates like really crazy uh, choreography and imagery, and there's just like an off-kilterness about it that's really cool and it's captured through the movement of all these dancers and the music that tom york is making because it doesn't really sound like radiohead he's kind of like made his own little sound here uh that just it has this weird ambientness to it but it's not quite like just the sounds of lo-fi there is like this little bit of propulsiveness i mean if anything it. it kind of reminds me of the last radiohead album which yeah Unfortunately, I wasn't that high on Moonshape Pool. Um, I know there's some good tracks on it. I have come around to it more than I did at first. But it is very ambient. very ambient. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I probably would not have listened to these songs if it weren't for this whole Netflix vehicle. Paul Thomas Anderson. But PTA just makes it beautiful. Like, I'd just like, I'll just sit here and watch this because it's 15 minutes of Paul Thomas Anderson. And... uh, you're going to talk about Mindhunter in a little bit, but that's the same way I feel about that is how the I feel about Fincher, where it's yeah. like I'm just craving work by good filmmakers so bad that I'll just like take whatever they make and just like <laughs> they could just like film a piece of shit for two hours and I'd just like <laughs> shoot that shit in my veins. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing I'll mention is just the set design that they make here. There's uh, there's something that looks like this this cavernous labyrinth type of thing with projections going on. Mm. Uh, there's another thing that looks like this incline that's just a, a straight white wall that people are slipping down. So really creative stuff. Um, loved it. Anima, Netflix. All right. Next thing, The Lost City of Z, a movie that came out about two years ago, yeah. I'd say. Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Um, oh. Also, Robert Pattinson is in there. Wow, that's a certified hunk fest. Yeah. It, the reason I watched it, it's it's an easy thing to find. It's on Amazon Prime uh, streaming. But the reason I watched it is because it's directed by James Gray, mm. who is about to put out Ad Astra mm. next month with Brad Pitt. So I was like, I haven't really seen much of this guy's work. He's put out a lot of kind of like mid-budget dramas in the past, in, mm-hmm. in, in his career. Uh, things that never really quite made it on the map. Yeah. Um, but I, I recognize like he did a, a movie with Marion Cotillard and a movie with Oscar Isaac. Yeah, he gets he gets actors. Yeah. So sure. in comes this movie that the premise alone grabbed me because it's <laughs> like it's this period piece, uh, early 20th century based on a true story of this English explorer who goes to just explore the Amazon, the jungles of South America. And this movie is pretty damn impressive because they they really shot it in the jungles of South America on film. It looks amazing. Very cool. It, it, there is this sense of like true texture to it. I, it for when they show some of these native uh, Amazonian people, I was just like fully immersed. Like, I didn't feel like I was seeing actors. I don't even know if they got actors. They probably got real <laughs> natives to be in the movie, for all I know. Um, the movie's quite long. It's like two and a half hours, but it kind of has to be because it, it has to tell this story that spans, like, decades. Because this guy, he goes on these journeys that take years and years of his life, and he comes back, and his kids get, are, like, way older. So it, it does a really good job of presenting 
how life used to be back then when you'd go off to war or ex- yeah. explore. What century did you say? Early, early 20th century. Okay. So uh, you see World War One in the film. Like he goes to World War One. It is based on a book. So you can kind of tell like just the expansiveness of the story. It's like yeah. very uh, literate. Uh, literate. Um, but good movie. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, though. Okay. Don't you dare talk shit about my boy. He's fine. He's Did, not bad. Here's a take. I have a take. Did Charlie Hunnam peak in Undeclared? Oh, that's right. That's now, him. Charlie Hunnam's Apex Mountain is definitely Sons of Anarchy. The, Season, oh, I never watched that. One yeah. through three of Sons of Anarchy is a great show. Him and Ron Perlman together mm, is oh. just fucking awesome. I was going to say he peaked in Pacific Rim. No. <laughs> no, I don't. That was, he was just drifting. He wasn't, he wasn't drifting. <laughs> Marco! Uh, so, so Robert Pattinson is in this movie, and he has, like, a very supporting role. Like, he doesn't really have that much, but the time that he is on screen, he is great. He I mean, plays, he's a better actor than Charlie Hunnam, so would, he can act. He can out-act okay, him on I would, What the heck? <laughs> I would have put uh, Bobby Patty in the lead role of this movie. <laughs> Bobby Patty. And just take Charlie Hunnam out. Just we, take him out. Are we going with Bobby Patty? Is that what we're going to call Bobby him? Patty, the baddie daddy? <laughs> <laughs> the question is, why did they not do that? Well, because Charlie Hunnam is more of like this kind of chiseled. rugged, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I he's guess. he's playing like an Englishman. I'm an explorer, man. Yeah. He also has a more open schedule. I was yeah. to star instead of just be, be on for like Dude. three days. He might make a cameo in in the Sons of Anarchy spinoff that I'm blanking Mayans. on. Mayans. Mayans. Yeah, yeah. FX is Mayans. So, Dude. overall, I recommend this movie. It's nothing, like, revolutionary or, like, life-changing or anything like that. But we get a, a, a really great depiction of this time period and just what it was really like for these men to go on these journeys. And the fact that they shot in the Amazon on film is truly outstanding. It's fucking I really want to check it out just because of Ad Astra coming out. And I've heard that the movie itself is like pretty good, but the direction is like by far the standout thing. I'll tell you what's incredible is the trailer for Ad Astra. Yeah. (laughs) That thing gets me so fucking excited. Yeah, dude. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh oh my God, it looks so good. He's making Christopher Nolan look like his space (laughs) movies are shit. (laughs) Like He's like, no, this is how you do space. Yeah, so it's on Amazon Prime. I recommend checking it out. Um, Next thing, Mindhunter on Netflix. Finally finished season one. It's 10 episodes. Season two is right around the corner. Yeah, this Friday coming out. Yeah, so this show, I gotta admit, it was a little bit of a a little bit of work to get through. It did. It has been like three years. Yeah, <laughs> that I've been chipping away at it. Um, yeah. and upon finishing it, the last few moments of the very last episode are the best part of the whole season because what the story that's being told here is our our guy Jonathan Groff, uh, Broadway boy who plays uh, Holden. Holden Ford. My name is Holden Ford. Holden? FBI Holden agent. Ford. Special FBI agent Holden Ford. Um, so he is obsessed with getting into the mind of a serial killer and figuring out why they are the way they are. And throughout this, these 10 episodes, we slowly see like what kind of guy he really is and why he's doing this and why he's so good at it. 
Is he a and psycho? Exactly. So that's what sort of starts to happen. Those are sort of like some of the narrative threads that start to come together where they do a really good job at like depicting this uh, 1970s uh, FBI unit as like just guys who do detective work. They, they're FBI guys. They're just doing their job. They're not slinging zingers and cracking jokes. It's not a crazy snappy movie. It's just guys doing their job. But this young guy... There's something off about him that like really puts people at unease because in the 1970s, people were just not okay with talking about like dismemberment and death mm. and mutilation and, and ungodly, murderous disgustingness. And this guy, Holden Ford, he is not squeamish about any of that. He's actually like kind of into it a little bit. No. And it, they do a really good job of exploring this character and seeing how it affects his relationship with his girlfriend and just seeing like how this whole concept of serial killers starts to really take shape and how the FBI starts to investigate it. Um, they call it beha- uh, what is it behavioral it's investigative. Like- Something, yeah, something yeah. like the behavioral science unit. Exactly, of the FBI. something like that. Like Very this brand new thing. New, yeah, unit that like they literally coined the term serial killer on this. Yeah, on it's this. like sequence killer, series killer. Nah. What what if we called it a serial killer? <laughs> Han Let's see Solo. if it sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so no. it's it's a really really good show. I mean, David Fincher directs like four episodes yeah. of this thing. Um, so I I also I plowed through this for season two. Um. I will say it does take two full episodes to actually get going, which now I kind of – I get what they were doing more um, in that the first two episodes are all about setting up the vibe of the show. Like that's all the purpose that they serve, and therefore they're, they're very thin on the story. And Like I watched the first episode whenever it came out, and I was like, I'm just not – this show is like just not what I'm feeling right now. But yeah, after same. going back, I – really appreciate that they spent that time setting up the tone and kind of getting you in there and i'm glad that this is a tv show like i i like that it is 10 hours long essentially that we're having here i think that they made a mistake by putting it on netflix where it just got dumped all at once where if this was on like an hbo for example and they had a slow rollout episode by episode, I think that the hype would have gotten, like, the discussion would have gotten a little bit yeah. bigger of, like, oh, my God, did you see last night episode of Mindhunter? You're, you're probably right about that. I think that it, I think it really would have benefited because, I mean, the whole thing with Netflix shows is it helps if you have a fast-paced show that you're just like, oh, and yeah, cliffhanger, guys, start up the next yeah. one. But 25-minute episode. Fincher is like... not interested in doing that whatsoever. He's like, <laughs> I'm making a 10-hour movie, and that's what I'm doing here. Yeah. And it's cool because you see, like... There's, like, what, four different major serial killers that you see here, including mm-hmm. some that they, like, crack. They go around. They they work for the FBI and help out other law enforcements, like, around the country. Yeah, help local them, Help police. them learn how to do that. But then they'll get there, and they'll just be like, hey, so this, like, girl went uh, – we just found her dead, and her boobs were cut off. Like, can you help us check this thing out? Shit. It's – it's an amazing show. I will say I wanted to give a shout out to all three of the main cast because they are all incredible. Of course, Jonathan Groff as Holden Ford, but Holt McCall McCallney, Holt McCallney, who plays Bill Tench, his uh, partner, and then uh, Anna Torv, who plays Wendy, this scientist, this Harvard scientist who joins them in their unit. Yeah. I love everything that's with 
her character and just those three actors are I really, incredible. I really hope that they explore them more in the second season because they kind of teased a little bit of their lives outside of the, the, the job and we don't really get too deep into it. Uh, but it, uh, hopefully in the second season we'll start to see like, okay, uh, what's going on in their marriages or their love lives or what's, how is it affecting, how is the job affecting them? I'm like, I kind of really want to read the book that it's based on. Um, I'm trying to find what the book is called. I think it might be called Mindhunter. Yeah. But, um, well, it's, it's based on a real it's guy. It's based on basically the real life yeah. version of Holden Ford that kind of helped discover and like educate people on what serial killers were like. And he made kind of the same mistake where in order to catch a serial killer, you have to think like a serial killer and you can drive yourself a little bit insane mm-hmm. by doing that, which is really what the whole story of the yeah. first season is. And that's why it does take a little bit to get going. But whenever it does, when this show is working, it's working better than almost any other show. Yeah. And agreed. I, I can't wait for season two because now too. that they did a lot of the heavy lifting in the first part of season one, I feel like season two is can it can only get better. From um, here. Yeah. Better than Criminal Minds. Yes. Um, better than Criminal Nines, but worse than uh, Law and Order SVU. Oh, of course. Yeah. So Mindhunter, Netflix, season two coming very soon. We'll definitely be talking uh, about yeah, it. Yeah, Friday, August 16th on Netflix. Hunter, what else you got? All right. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of moved on past cinema and film and TV. Screens um, are, are old. Yeah, screens are going out of fashion, but I'll tell you what's coming back in fashion books. Mm. Um, yeah. Movies have been bad this year, so I've just been doing some a uh, little bit of light reading, except not so light. Um, I've been <laughs> <Okay>. so <laughs> all right. So first off, um, I uh, finished uh, Malcolm Gladwell book Outliers. Um, you guys have both read this book, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, really amazing. Uh, the only other uh, Gladwell book I've read before is Blink, um, and I do like this a little bit more than Blink. Kind of just incredible. This it's whole, probably his best book. All of the examples that he uses and then kind of coming – I mean, it's not a spoiler of a book, but basically kind of how the title of the book Outliers is ironic because there are really no outliers. There's always kind of extenuating circumstances that yeah. lead to different people uh, achieving greatness and becoming to the point where you're well-known, whether it's the time period that you're born in, the benefits that you have if you're – if you are like a white male or if you just happen to be born in this decade versus two years prior where mm-hmm. you wouldn't have access yeah. to the same type of things or two years later when there's too many people that have the same. Yeah, that's why that's why we're flying so high right now. Because yeah. we're born white males. We were the first podcast. We're the pod fathers. Yeah, yeah, we came in, did it first. How many hours deep do you think we are? 200? Oh, at least. We're about yeah. to get to the 10,000 hour rule. Um, <laughs> we're so close. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I would say it's his best book. Um there, you know, a lot of people have problems with Gladwell. Um, I don't agree with all his opinions. I definitely don't. Or, you know, some of the conclusions he draws can be a little bit unscientific. However, his books are incredibly well written and entertaining, and they're nonfiction, mm-hmm. which is not always the case. Yeah, it's that's what I was going to say. Was that for a nonfiction book, this and the other art author, nonfiction author I've started reading is Chuck Klosterman, and both of them have a way of writing where it's something that can be as abstract as talking about uh, Japanese uh, 
air pilots and stuff like that or Colombian yeah. air pilots flying into New York and they make it interesting through their ability uh, to yeah, write. It's just good writing. I've read all of his books and they're all they all have a standard of quality that you usually don't get in nonfiction. It is funny that you made that point about not agreeing with him all the time because uh, he is a sociologist, which means he looks at um, um, he looks at kind of correlations, but uh, correlations don't always equal causation. And sometimes yeah. he tries to make that point he's just like well therefore as you can see well the thing is he's more of he's more of a journalist he's just like if you're born in january you will be a star in the nhl (laughs) you're like i don't know about that it's really you just you can't take it as like word of god like every point that he makes but it's some of the points are just so fun to imagine like the he finds uh i mean all of his books have this the same overlying theme of he finding patterns in real life yeah which is very simple concept, but he does it up in a really uh, excellent way. Yeah, no, um, really love that book. Highly recommend it. Um, I saw hit this. I have been. I started it today. I'm about halfway through already. But uh, the Chuck Klosterman novel, but what if we're wrong, which kind of takes this whole idea of you know that gravity exists because somebody told you that gravity exists. In the same way that a thousand years ago, people were you knew that the earth was the center of the universe because you were told that the earth was the center of the universe and kind of making sure the whole uh, like subtitle I think of the book is like looking at the present as if it were the past. Yeah. This is a, this is a great book. I've read it. Awesome book. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, I started listening to it today and I just like, couldn't, put it down wait you started you started wetting it (laughs) what in the fuck yeah so i guess i should use this time to do our sponsor read so this sponsorship today (laughs) is brought to you by it's brought to you by libby libby uh it's an app that you can use kind of similar we've talked about canopy before Mm -hmm. download this app l-i-b-b-y just put in your library card and you can have access to thousands Whoa. of audiobooks and physical books mm-hmm. no, right there no added cost right there on your phone Both on your free. tablet on your fax machine whatever you have and if you use if you just type in wabam into that library card line it'll tell you that books are stupid and they'll redirect yeah. you to l- listen to our podcast is, is our podcast on libby <laughs> our podcast might be on libby we should start dropping off like cassette tapes of our pod at the library <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> Anyway. Or we can print every episode as a book, and then that can get transferred to an audio book. Yeah, we need to get a transcriber yeah. on these podcasts. Um, anyway, this is a re- truly great book. Klosterman is supremely underrated. He, you know, he obviously makes his living off of writing. Like he's doing very well for himself, but he's not even close to the same profile as Gladwell is. And his writing to me is almost just as good like yeah. sometimes he has a little bit less of a uh, thematic overlap with his books but that doesn't bother me too much he one of the topics that i love in this book is uh it's one of the less consequential ones but it's just like what what uh artists are we gonna think are way more and way less important than we do right now yeah because like in 200 years from now are you gonna remember like when you when rock is completely dead and it's just like you just know like the one rock artist because you read him in your history class or it was hologrammed to you. It was injected into your brain. However yeah. we learn like at that wh- point. Yeah. Which ones are going to make the book? You I know? also love, cause I mean, if you've ever know anything about Closerman, he has like a fascinating background. He wrote for spin for years mm-hmm. and he kind of, he like will kind of allude to his prior life and certain things. Like he always talks about how people only remember sometimes like the worst things. So he talked about, for example, in 1991, when he was working for spin, they made a best albums of the year list. Mm -hmm. And in that they put some 
nothing album that nobody remembers over uh, Nirvana's Nevermind. Oh, and that, man. And that's the only uh, – now Spin is dead, and that's <laughs> the only thing that people know. People don't – they couldn't tell you who won it in, like, 2006 what the best album was, but everybody knows that, like, yeah, Spin, they're fucking idiots. They put Nevermind <laughs> behind something. Yep. And kind of really cool um, – can't wait to finish that. I also just picked up his new book on print uh, because it's not actually out on audiobook form Ooh la la. or Ooh la anything la. else. It's um, called X. Raised in captivity. Oh, um, is is it is it called X? <laughs> he has a book called X. Yeah, he has a book called X. It's not X. Um, is it so the the cover of it says fictional nonfiction? Is it fiction or is it nonfiction? I guess I'll have to read it to find out. That's I true. You I haven't, haven't even I haven't read looked it. into it, so I can tell you. <laughs> um, and then lastly, um, book corner. We need to come up with a sound bite for that. Like, <laughs> is that like a library? Can door you can you tell up? we it's don't like read a, a lot of books? <laughs> that, oh, that's the door creaking open. That was the flipping of pages. What about like? Um, what about like? <laughs> And then a library. Like the dusty uh, <laughs> cover. How about a librarian going like, shh. Oh, that's know? good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, I think that the, the creaky door might be the one that we Well, changed. that was. It's that like was assaulting to no, the No, that was diving into DVD. Diving into library oh, DVDs. You're right. You're right. Yeah, we can't mix up our The most bites. notable thing at libraries. <laughs> so anyway, so one more. Um, in anticipation for It Chapter 2, I finished It. Um, the Been book. having it for forever and finally got around to it. Um this might be like the best book that I've ever Damn. read. Like it is, it's it's so good. It's really up. It's like immediately one of my favorites because one thing that's so great about it is that, yeah, like there's spooky clown that exists in the book, but also it's just really a book about childhood and about memory. Um, I mean, it's uh, you guys have seen the old have you guys did y'all see the tv movie of it yeah yeah so you know like mike is the only person who remembers it and it's kind of this whole thing about like what we do to suppress memories from our past and like how it can kind of drive you insane and just kind of the whole idea and that's a metaphor for also just growing up and forgetting things about your childhood and about the becoming a completely different person from who you were have you ever heard how stephen king saw someone die in front of him when he was a kid Makes so much sense. I know, isn't it the most isn't it the most obvious backstory ever? (laughs) And it's true. Explains a lot. (laughs) Um, No, I really I love the way that it's written. A lot. It's always flashing in between characters, and in the final battle that we have, each section of the chapter is cutting back and forth between the 1950s and the 1980s. Wow! In a way that. Like, reading this book, it's kind of amazing that anybody can make a movie out of this that makes any sense. Because a lot of it is, like, for example, so the deadlights. I, the way they're portrayed in the TV movie and in the movie from 2017 is deadlights are just, like, bright yellow lights that you just kind of become a zombie in. But what happens whenever you go into the deadlights is you, like, span across the space-time continuum and the universe and meet a turtle, which is basically God that had an upset stomach and vomited and threw up the universe. It's the most like wild shit ever. So to make something that's half cohesive into mm-hmm. a movie is kind of incredible, but really love it. Cocaine, cocaine played a big factor in oh, yeah. the making of this book and you know, probably other drugs. Um, of course there is the infamous uh, child sex scene, which is very detailed. Um, is there a, a, a blowjob bear from the shining? 
Blowjob? No. There's no, no blowjob there. <laughs> is that in, is, was that a Stephen King thing? Or a I think that's a Kubrick thing. It's a Kubrick I, thing? I just read The Shining, and I don't think that's in it. There's no blowjob. But I am going to, after I finish uh, these Closterman books, I'm going to dig into Dr. Sleep before Dr. Sleep comes out. Okay. Um, Do you think there's a blowjob bear in that one? Yeah, yeah, that one's been confirmed. Uh, Ewan is the blowjob bear in that one. Whoa, unmask. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't talk about books. <laughs> do, you, is there, right. do you think they're blowjob in that one? Yo, that's crazy, bro. So that's it for book corner. <laughs> Shh. Um, all, all three together is actually way better. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Um, so uh, next, I'm going to go on my... Video game corner. Um, you could have just done like, booting, booting, one mamiya. That's that is copyrighted. This episode's gonna get taken down now, Ernest. Shit. Um, so maybe it won't get copyrighted because I have been digging into a new game on my Switch. I've been switching Switch, um, and that new game is probably the game of the year. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. So. I'll be quick on this one because uh, I know I'm going long in my book and video game corner, but I doubt e- neither of you guys have ever played a Fire Emblem game, have you? I've played as Roy in Super Smash Bros. Same thing. And um, I played Mario Party a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, same exact thing. So this game, it's Fire Emblem. It's a turn-based game. It's I've never really been into the Fire Emblem thing because I'm not a huge uh, like open map and work your way around like I mean the only games I play there are like Civ or something like that like doing cat battles like that but I've heard that they kind of from what I've could tell from the interwebs this game is completely different from a lot of other Fire Emblem games where there's a lot more intricacies and like a really amazing and compelling story. Um, I'm already about 40 hours into this game, like 35 hours, 40 hours in. You just like don't uh, sleep. Fuck. Yeah, pretty much. Um, do you play while you listen to your books? <laughs> yeah, I, I multitask. I'm a millennial. I can do that. Um, so this game, um, what's kind of incredible about it is it's three houses. There's three and actually four completely different stories you can take. And depending on which house you go with, your story is completely different. So it's a game where normally you play it and it has probably like close to like 70 to 100 hours of gameplay in it. And you can do it four different times and play it and you'll never have anything that's similar. Even the characters that you'll interact with. Uh, pretty much, this is kind of the perfect Harry Potter Game of Thrones type game. You start out, you come in as this professor at this school where there's these three houses um and depending on which house you choose to teach uh it totally influences this war that's coming and whether you fight with this church the central church that has like this overpower on everything um i went with the black eagles uh team red as i call them and <laughs> Gryffindor? I'm, I'm trying to take down the fucking church man like fuck the system i don't need i don't need organized religion in my life Damn. but that's just me um, if you don't have as much anger and hatred, maybe you'll go with some other path. But I mean, really, the characters, from what I've kind of I've delved into a little bit of spoiler stuff on the other houses, and it's really fascinating, like kind of the complexity that they give to all these characters. They aren't just these flat 2D characters that we're used to in video games where they just have one uh, motivation, and that's just kind of the only thing coloring their objectives in the game. They really work with you a lot. It's a lot about... One of my favorite things to do in this game outside the battles is just exploring around 
You can train with other people. You can go out to tea time with them and uh, open build world? up your support. It's not completely open world. Whenever you explore, you can explore around this monastery area. And uh, you can do things like gardening and fishing, shit like that. Um, as well as do other stuff to kind of help boost your stats or boost your student stats. Because really you need to have like a good organized team. I made my dude just like a fucking dope ass sword master, but it's nice to have like some really cool, some really good like bows and magic users. All right. So definitely highly recommend this game. It's by far the best game I've played this year. I mean, I love Super Mario Maker, but hasn't been a lot of great games this year. And uh, mm. so far, yeah. I mean, this has made me a Fire Emblem fan. I'm D- I'm already bought the DLC that's coming with this because oh. they're gonna add like another hundred hours of gameplay Jesus and DLC. Lord. Nintendo's yeah, the, the shit. They know what they're doing. Yeah, really. Yeah. They just give it away. Yeah. The only game <laughs> for money I'm really looking forward to is Death Stranding. Yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to that. I mean, I'm just happy. Like, Nintendo easily could have made this four, di- three different games and sold it like that. Mm. And they could have done, like, a Pokemon Red or Blue where it's, like, one minor detail on the characters that are on the oh, Pokemon yeah. that you catch, and that's the only difference. But the fact that it is so drastically different games i mean the actual play style is the same but the story in which you're playing it in is completely different either way is really cool all right i'm into it. fire emblem three houses fire emblem colon three houses okay all right for the switch well guys true it's time to talk stop talking about all that little kid shit (laughs) books films games no 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 uh you're talking about films. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, these, no, I wouldn't call these films. <laughs> I call them flicks. This isn't cinema. <laughs> well, okay, so on our absolute romp to Tallahassee, here's how the night goes. We play some Mario Party on Switch. Me and Hunter, teammates, we didn't get along. <laughs> hey, we won, though. We did win, yeah. We're, yeah. I, I, We're like Kyrie Irving and LeBron. I'm yeah, like LeBron. Conflict Kyrie to victory. Oh, You're a flat earther, right? Fuck you. <laughs> no. I, I'll let you be Curry if I can be Clay, but they, okay. they get along too well. We did not get along. <laughs> anyway, we won that. Then we move on. And we watch, you know, we're riding high off Rampage. We're, we're thinking, we still can't stop thinking about how yeah. complex it was. He's a primatologist. His name is Davis. Yeah. I just have, I have a spiral notebook <laughs> full of just Davis, 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 <laughs> like a hundred pages. Um, so we're riding high off that and we decide, you know what, let's just watch Skyscraper. Let's just keep it going. Yeah. Let's just, let's keep this great. We had about rolling. 12 White Claws in us. We... Overall, Each. we drank like sixty total. <laughs> like uh, the group yeah. of us, it, <laughs> so we were we should have been adequately lubricated for skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it should. Your bodies were ready. That's exactly. You're so right. It should have been so fun because we were all having a great time, and it was truly. It's a parabola movie, man. It, it, it was so unfun to watch, and that I did not expect that. It's a better movie than Rampage, it but is. yet it's worse. How how so? It's better because it's not about a big monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, there actually is, like, some actually kind of cool direction in it. There, no, like, there's a style to it yeah, that they're going for. So it's Lots of characters. orange and blues. This, it reminded me of Michael Bay, where, like, his worst enemy is kind of himself. Because you can see that he's capable of doing great shit, but he just has too much of it all the time. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie was like. Where the base imagery of it I thought was pretty striking. Uh, when they first see the skyscraper on fire, the whole bit is like his family's on like floor 50 of it or whatever. And like the entire 30th floor is a flame. And to see the, the sh- every shot of that one floor on fire 
was really truly great imagery like and it also was like the shot that encapsulates the entire stakes of the movie um <laughs> however like you said uh you know how like a while back someone figured out that every movie poster is just orange and blue mm-hmm. the whole movie is orange and blue <laughs> every shot is orange and blue in this movie jeez oh, it's true like it's almost incredible how they managed to uh cram in colors into scenes that are in total darkness or like in scenes where it's just like a fire and it's like where would blue come from i don't know but it's here <laughs> like tr- it's it's truly awful uh, hey, but on the bright side, The Rock does only have one leg, and at one point he beats a guy up with his with his prosthetic leg. Does so he very say empowering to cripple people. Um, does he say yippee ki Yeah, so that's another thing. The, obviously, the comparisons to Die Hard are natural. The movie's called Skyscraper. <laughs> the, I, was, I was laughing that night because, like, the classic elevator pitch, you know, stereotype is like, oh, it's Die Hard but on a ship, or it's Die yeah. Hard on a plane. This one's like, oh, it's Die Hard but in a building. <laughs> <laughs> well he has one leg and he has one leg it's and, hard with one leg. Well, and he is outside the building and he's trying to get in to get his family um the problem and the main reason there are i could go off about a hundred reasons this is worse than die hard but i think the main one is the emotional arc of die hard is actually there where in the beginning of die hard he uh like is trying to make it work with his wife he doesn't really like her he's like a shitty guy kind of and he goes through this crazy journey in the skyscraper and then afterward he calls his wife he's like you know what i love you let's like make it work uh in this one it's like he you know he's a great guy the whole movie he loves his family so much he saves his family and then at the end he loves his family Like there's no there's no journey. Yeah, in the beginning of Die Hard, he's like about to have a divorce, basically. Yeah, exactly. And he works through his marriage troubles by killing Alan Rickman. Yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. I, you'll have to tell me because I did pass out at one point. <laughs> I then woke back up, and I feel like I didn't miss anything. No. I feel like it was like the exact same shot that I woke up. To. Yeah, it looked the same um, the whole movie. So. In like the run in in the movie itself, like six hours is happening, and the whole time this floor is on fire. Yes, and that's not how buildings work. I know that's well, like a very nitpicky thing to have the in thing a is movie th- in which The Rock has one leg and he's climbing on the side of a skyscraper. You missed but... the scene where The Rock explains that jet fuel cannot melt steel beams. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not true. If there's if it's constantly burning, I don't know. I read it which, on Info Which Wars. limb are you gonna go out on? Because you only got one jet fuel. What if what if like his leg melts when he's like saving his family? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that you started thinking about it. We were discussing this when we were watching it. The like the building is slowly burning from one floor. It's uniformly burning straight through. It's like you, you slice the building with a hot knife, but it does not fall <laughs> for just, hours and hours and hours. It's, it's just, breaking gravity. It's just burning and it's like slowly ascending the flames. So it's like now the thirty second floor is on on fire, Mister Rock, and he's like, Mom, oh, my family's getting closer and closer to it, and. uh it's just that. It's literally yeah. just him saving the f- and then also there are like villains. I literally couldn't be fucked to learn anything <laughs> yeah. about them. Let me let me guess my 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 the rock theory that came to light during our commentary. He's actually worse in this movie than Rampage, isn't he? Cuz the movie well, is better. He has, so he has a beard. He and, do, he's got the goatee. He, he's it's doing uh, a lot for him. He looks a lot better. Yeah. Um, he doesn't look like at w- first I almost knew his name and then I forgot and now he's just um, the rock now. It is. Then. That you do raise a good question, though. Is he better in this? Could we well, say that? I mean, 
it kind of that leads into the argument of is the rock actually a good actor because he's doing he's, the, not. he's doing the rock things in this he's doing more the rock things in this than he's he a is. charismatic guy that doesn't yeah. make you a good actor well he doesn't have charisma in this movie though he's action star that's the, the rock, thing the entire movie. yeah in rampage he gets lines that you could to be generous called interesting you could call them funny lines that he delivers in a campy way and he ma- it's good mm-hmm. in this movie it might as well have been like Mark Wahlberg or anyone else because he is a stone wall of a character. He is just a guy who just save loves, family. I well, love I love family. And I love another, America. Another problem with this is there's no this movie has like no pacing to it whatsoever. It tries to be like nonstop. It's trying to be like Mad Max Fury Road where it's just a nonstop thrill ride. But even in Mad Max, you have that one moment of a breather to kind of catch Long your breath. Long moment. Yeah, like you have Actually, that there's time. several moments. You have a couple of those little moments, and then there's even moments in between the action that are smaller and feel more intimate. Where in this, it's just kind of... it's The flame just keeps rising the entire yeah. time. Like, it... It kind of almost made me regret my thing with Rampage, where I was like, why didn't the movie just start in the last third of this movie? Where... Mm. I needed I, – I wanted The Rock to make some bad jokes. I wanted, like, a giant stupid ape named George in there. <laughs> to flip him off. <laughs> like, I, I just – I wanted something where it's like, if this isn't going to be good, so just make yeah, it this, okay. This is even – yeah, it's even worse in that in that category, truly. Like, it's – it just – it takes itself so seriously. Another big problem I had is, like, with Rampage, the dialogue is really dumbed down, which makes yeah. it funnier because it's for, like – stupid people (laughs) this movie is fake smart dialogue like there are a lot of like really big words and if you're not paying attention you're like damn this is pretty well that's characters give speeches yeah so you can't really watch it passingly you actually have to pay attention you're like but i don't want to pay attention like i'm not watching this to pay attention so (laughs) it did it just came back to me what the villains are in this movie for and i could be wrong but i'm almost sure that this is it so it's it's an asian company that they're burning it, the skyscraper down for the insurance money. Yes, is what this movie is. Yakutami Plaza, and, is that we have, and the Rock yeah. is in charge of the security for it, and that's why his family is staying in it, even though no one else is staying in the building. Because that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it's fucking, there's no real it's story fucking, here. And he's like, for some reason, he's not there. He's at some office building. He's like, oh shit, I think that's my building that's on fire. <laughs> um, my family. Anyway, in there. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It was such a drag. Perfect parabola movie. It's like a four or five. It's a zero to watch. Awful. Um, this next one, though. This next one is. Uh, <laughs> this it, breaks the parabola. It proves the parabola because it was a ten in quality and a ten to watch. <laughs> we, you, I think you were pretty squarely. Nope, I, I started this one and I was like, nope, I'm out. I'm, <laughs> and I'm he, out. And on you this. passed out. Most people that were there did fall asleep during this. It was just me in front of the pod, David. By the end, we watched all of Loquisha. Loquisha, yes. Loquisha. The movie that we we've, we've touched about on. It. It. We did. Didn't we do we a did teaser it. freezer for yes. it? Yes. Yeah. 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 I made us do that because I I've had my eye on this and we <laughs> thought it was a troll. Yeah, no. We thought it was a fake it's movie. It's truly not. But yeah, if... if it's we, on the quality streaming site, Amazon Prime. It is on Amazon. That's why we watched it. It was free. Uh, if you need to get caught up, this is a movie uh, written by and directed and starring Jeremy Seville, which I'm going to do a whole thing about like the pattern of these like insane filmmakers, like yeah. Tommy Wiseau and this guy. Anyway, he did everything for this movie. It's about him. He plays a guy who's... Everyone loves him. He's a great guy, just like Tommy Wiseau, just like Neil Breen. Everyone's just like, man, you're great. <laughs> um, he plays this guy who wants to have a radio show, but then he sees that they only want women and minorities to apply, so he pretends to be a black woman, and it's a big hit, and all the, all the black people just love him. And there are certain characters in the movie... 
which we we even predicted this in the trailer. There's this black engineer who engineers the radio show. He's one of the only people who knows the secret that this man is Loquisha. <laughs> and the whole time, his whole role is just to like pop in and be like, hey, man, just checking in. This is all OK. <laughs> like, and, like all the black folks are totally OK with this. No need for any audience to feel uneasy oh, right now. Man, <laughs> there are multiple people like that. This movie is so racist. And on top of that is also bad. It is also a horrible movie. Um, this Jeremy Seville is in a psychosis. Like he is living in a fantasy land where a uh, a radio show becomes a national phenomenon on on <laughs> FM radio. Oh man! Uh, B o- only black women get radio shows, as we all know. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Well, also you have to talk about the black woman who comes in that real life Laquisha. It's it's That's... it's horrendous. That is maybe the most racist part. So. They end up realizing that people want to see what Loquisha looks like. Yeah, and, it's and not just enough do to do the voice. By the way, he's not doing a good black woman voice. It's he sounds very... <laughs> he sounds like a white man doing a black accent, like a really stale like '90s black accent. Yeah, it's not. Also, it's not well, the same goes for the name Loquisha. That's something that like your friend, your racist friend, would say in like middle school, be like, "Oh, Loquisha over there," you know? Like it's so stale. And he thinks that he's being woke. I really do think. Oh no. Um. Anyway. They hire, They do auditions to find a Loquisha, and they find this black woman who is actually a black woman. They're like, wow, that'll fit the bill. And she becomes the villain of Loquisha. Not this white man who's doing black voice and making money off black voice. She's the villain because she is, like, trying to strong arm him into, like, giving her more money and stuff. And eventually he just quits because he's not being himself. Did you were you awake for the comedy sequence where he can't stop doing Loquisha? No, I, this I was, thank God. He's like trapped, <laughs> dude. Th- this was the worst part of the movie, easily, and that's hard to discern. But this is true. <laughs> he goes. O- he's like really deep into Loquisha. He's a phenomenon. He's really conflicted. He goes over to this black woman's house, who is really into him for some reason. He's an ugly guy. Uh, he she he comes over. She immediately starts making out with him. They've talked once before. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah. And she invites him in. She's like, do you want a glass of wine? He's like, well, actually, I'd prefer more kissing, but the wine will do. (laughs) Which is a great line. (laughs) And he goes in and they'll be they're making out and he cannot stop accidentally like blurting out things in Loquisha's voice. Oh, no. So they're making out, And this is a black woman. And so they're making out and he'll just be like, "Mm, honey, child. (laughs) And she's like, what was that? And he's like, oh, nothing. She's like, okay. And they keep making out. And he's like, mm, that's good, sister. And it just keeps going like this. So then he's like, uh, I think there's a black woman inside me. And she's like, man, are you trans? Oh, there, oh no. There are, I would say, between like 10 and 15 jokes in the movie that are literally that joke. It's just like, like you couldn't get more offensive. There, there are, I think, 10 times the joke is someone goes, man, are you gay or something? What are you, trans? Like, oh, which is again, how does this exist in 2019? It, how did I, is this self-funded? Did he fund this? I, himself? He has his own production company and it's called two guys pictures, <laughs> <laughs> two white men. Isn't one of, one of the production companies called the best movie. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> makes, sure that's, that's what one of those was. It, I mean, it is the best movie. Um, <laughs> so then he leaves her place. Cause he's like, I can't, I'm sorry. I just, I'm so I don't know who I am right now. And she's like, what are you, gay? And he just leaves. And he gets pulled over by a black cop. And he does Loquisha voice to the black cop. He can't stop doing it. 
And the cop at first is like, oh, that's a really great Loquisha, man. That's so funny. Oh, because everybody knows Loquisha. Yeah. Everyone, and everyone's cool with a white guy doing a black accent. Everyone loves it. They're oh, all like, man. man, you're great. All the black people just love him. <laughs> well, racism is dead, so. Yeah. and and But then he just won't stop doing it. And the cop's like, all right, man, have a good day. <laughs> <He's just> like... <laughs> so eventually he quits doing the show because he has this bizarre confrontation with uh his son were you there for that no oh i, I wish yeah. you were I, yeah. it's <laughs> some of the funniest dialogue i've ever heard where this his son it's one of those scenes where like this son is telling a story about his own life and then the dad's like man i can learn something from you kid you know where this the son's like you know you should just stop trying to fit in dad like wh- one time when i started at my new school this this one kid offered me some of his tuna sandwich and I didn't like tuna, but, he, you know, I, I wanted to fit in, so I accepted it. Because, you know, tuna is what all the cool kids eat. You want to be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a tuna. horrible anecdote. So, and he goes, so I ate the tuna sandwich, and, you know, I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy's like, you threw up because you weren't being yourself, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and so he decides to quit the radio show from that story. <laughs> and then he does. Oh, my God. He, do- he quits the radio show, and then the Loquisha actor that he's hired is like pissed at him and she takes over the radio show and when an actual black woman is doing this show and she's basically doing the exact same shit he was which was horrible advice uh everyone hates her <laughs> and also and no one suspects that it's a different person even though she's clearly a way different voice than him he's just he's obviously you know he called all the shots here so he was like yeah i sound just like a black woman so no one would ever suspect it um so she keeps doing it. Everyone hates her. So she comes back to him and she's like, please, sir, keep doing black voice. Like, oh, yeah. This no. black woman is like and she says the ultimate line of the whole movie. She goes, honestly, I'm going to say it. You're better at being a black woman than I am. And he, what yeah, he wrote, Jeremy Seville wrote that he wrote a black woman saying that he's better at being a black woman than she is. And and then his character is just like, well, OK. And so so then. <laughs> I could go on for hours about this, and I will. Uh, so you're going to have to just turn my mic off whenever you see fit. So then he, he's like, well, yeah, but I don't want to, you know, I was having like an identity crisis. I don't want to keep being Loquisha. Um, so eventually everyone's, all these black people are just begging him to be Loquisha. They're like, man, the streets need you, mister. No. It's so racist. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to put up a Facebook poll. Uh, do you do you guys? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not a Twitter poll. Yeah, no. He, he, he's like, do you guys want me to keep being Loquisha, or do you want me to have my own radio show as myself? To not have a radio show is not an option. <laughs> yeah, he's got to have the radio. He, he yeah. will not step down. Got to keep doing the show. And so they t- they do it, or no? It actually is the third option is no show at all. So they do the poll. 20% of people vote for no show. And he's like, oh, that's great. That means that at least I get a radio show. So which one do I get? And they're like, well, it was dead split. 40% Loquisha, 40% you. So at the end, he has two radio shows. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's the end of the movie. He gets two radio shows as a reward for doing black voice and Jeez. deceiving the nation. So I have a question for you. Does the parabola – where does the parabola go negative? At some point, well, that it's it, this one is an interesting case study because it does make you feel very icky to watch. Like it makes you feel g- almost complicit to even watch. Yeah, it. you're yeah. giving this views. Yeah, and exactly. even if even if he doesn't get any money from it, uh, you just feel you gave like, him your time. Yeah, and you just are like, Jesus, man! Like, are you kidding me? This and 
it makes so much sense to trace this guy's psychology. Like, this is a white man. He thinks the reason that he's not a huge success is because of minorities, when really it's because he's bad at everything. He's bad at everything that he does. And he just can't swallow it, so he wrote a movie about it. Hmm. Where he is a good guy who has he has no choice but to be racist. It's his only option to get his kid into a gifted school. Oh, Fuck. Oh yeah, I do remember the uh, the divorced mom. Which oh yeah, just women in general in this movie are just really Bulldozed. horribly depicted. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. Either, His ex wife is just like a total bitch. She's like, we have to put our son into this fifty thousand dollar a term school. Yeah, because he's or, like gifted. second grader. And so then, when he's being loquisha, it's a national sensation, and he's making like a thousand dollars a month or something. Like he like, he keeps getting checks and like oh a whole thousand dollars. <laughs> And then he just gives her cash, and she's like, what is this from? And he's like, ah, it's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the last thing I want to mention is that the advice scenes when he's giving people advice over the radio, because it is an advice show on the radio. It's It's the worst advice. Literally, it's all, like, awful. It's the worst advice I've ever heard. Like, some people call with, like, they're crying, they have genuine problems, and, like, he basically is like, man, you're stupid. You need to go to sleep. And... Everyone's like, man, Loquisha really tells it like it is. You know, she gives tough love. And it's like, that's not tough or love. He didn't put any effort into that part exactly. at all. Or he goes, at one point he goes, mm, Ted, that rhymes with dead. You sound dead inside. And everyone laughs. And that's the tape that he gives to the station to audition. And they're like cracking up at that joke. That rhymes with dead. <laughs> it's just like word association. Anyway, th- someone eventually calls that is like on a bridge about to jump off a bridge. They're like, Loquisha, I'm about to kill myself. I'm going to jump off this fucking bridge. Oh, and he's got to save them. And Loquisha is, like, very flippant about it. Loquisha's like, mm, you don't need to do that. You ever been to Paris? They're like, no, I guess I haven't. And she's like, mm, you need to go to the Eiffel Tower. You don't need to eat a croissant. Bye. <laughs> and uh, it works. They don't jump off the bridge. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, that's 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 all I got to say about it. it sounds horrible. I did. Thank God Drew is not going to win the summer movie wager, so he doesn't make all of us watch that again. We put this on at 5 (laughs) a.m. at my house, and me and David were the only ones up at the end. And at the end of it, it was like 7, and David is like, I'm just going to (laughs) leave. I have no words for you. 7 a.m. he drove home. (laughs) It was great. It was great. Great night. And he thought about it the whole drive home. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's he, probably he never going to talk car. to again. He totaled his car. He's dead now. Oh my God. <laughs> just thinking yeah. about Laquisha. It just it truly is fascinating. Luckily, he got pulled over by a black officer on the ride home. He did his own Laquisha <laughs> just, to get out of it. There there are truly so many things that this like holy triumvirate of bad directors has. Neil Breen, Tommy Wiseau, and this guy. This guy's more lucid than either of them, definitely. But he's still horrible. They all do the exact same shit in all their movies. They, they self-fund, they direct, they star, they write. And they play a great guy who everybody loves for no reason. I was it, hoping that it was going to end with him just like, I'm going to be myself. And it ends with him like some like chipper music and he puts on like a KKK hat. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> a red hat that yeah. just says KKK. And it just ends with like a, a, ch- a happy song. It ends and it's just like, oh, it's uh, Duke. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, if you would like to tell me, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. I guess on that God, note, it's gonna we, end on the worst possible. We gotta, note. we Jesus. gotta end this episode. Thanks for listening. We bought a mic. we bam. Just to be clear, are you recommending Loquisha to the listeners? Yeah. Yes, it's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Buy Amazon Prime. Just watch Ratatouing instead. It, don't worry, your money doesn't go to this guy. It goes to Jeff Bezos, and that's way better. Yeah, Bezos, <laughs> good guy. Um, it goes to 
space. Bezos was like, I need to make sure I'm the exclusive holder of LaQuisha. I have good feelings about it. He, I mean, <laughs> he, I was just looking. Himself. I was just looking at the the reviews on Amazon Prime for this movie, and there there are 36 percent uh, five stars. Who did anyone not ironically? I bet they I, did. I, I guess some of these are like specially commissioned by uh, <laughs> the dude. It's all just that guy with hilarious comedy with a great message. Thoroughly enjoyed the movie <laughs> and laughed throughout. I think the Loquish is going to end racism, guys. It's the new Green Book. It, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, we got to go. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Wabam, or sorry, We Bought a Mic, at We Bought a Mic. My brain is broken. <laughs> <laughs> Did we go long? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, check out our review of The Farewell, our commentary track of Rampage. And coming up, some more segments and fun stuff. So stick around. Um, anything you guys want to add? No, I think nah. I, I can't even after LaQuisha. I just right. I want to go die now. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.